Today we have a panel available from the Thumb Regional Sobriety Court, also known as TRSC, to discuss what the program is and how it benefits our community. My name is Heather Walser and I serve as the program coordinator and as one of the case managers for the Sobriety Court program. We also have Honorable Amy Grace Gearhart here today. She is the Chief Judge in Tuscola County. She presides over 54th Circuit Court and the Sobriety Court program. A couple of our team members are also joining us today. Kim Kern, she is our treatment and therapy liaison from List Psychological Services. And Tracy Madden, a certified peer recovery coach and the Tuscola County Coordinator for Peer 360 Recovery Alliance. We also have two Sobriety Court graduates, Kristen and Doug, that have been so kind to join us and discuss their experiences in the program here today. So I guess we will start with discussing when and why the Sobriety Court program was developed. Judge Gearhart, would you like to start? Absolutely, Heather, thank you. So back in, let's see, I took the bench December 17th of 2012. And one of the first things you do as a new judge is you go to new judges school. And at new judges school, I was introduced to the treatment court concept. In one of my sessions, I really was not familiar or had not had any experience with the treatment court model prior to that. And so I came back from new judges school and was pretty excited about that idea and concept. Uh, I was able to speak with the chief judge, uh, Kim David Glasby at that time. And in conjunction with our regional state court administrator who wanted to develop uh, treatment courts in a more rural setting most of the treatment courts in existence in 2013 were in a more populated setting. And so the idea was to combine multiple jurisdictions to uh, reach more people with the treatment court model. So in September of 2013, we wrote a grant, started to develop the program, and we took our first participants in January of 2014, and we've been going full steam since then. Yeah, and as Judge had said, our program is funded by the State Court Administrative Office through the state of Michigan. We actually became a state certified treatment court program in 2019 after going through a site visit. And we are a regional treatment court program. We cover Tuscola, Huron, and San Alec counties. Our target population includes adults that have an operating while intoxicated by alcohol or under the influence of drug charge. They have to be determined high risk and also diagnosed with a substance use disorder. A brief overview of the program requirements. The program itself is a minimum of 15 months, maximum of 24 months that a participant actually participates in the program. There are four different phases that they progress through as they are in the program, including participating in case management sessions, court review hearings with Judge Gearhart, individual and group therapy, they also have a scram tether on for at least the first 90 days when they start the program, in addition to submitting to random urine, drug, and alcohol testing at a minimum of twice per week throughout the entire duration of the program. They also attend recovery meetings, including completing a 90 and 90 at the beginning of the program, which is 90 recovery meetings within 90 days. And we also do random home visits. We have them complete a relapse prevention plan, work on community service, 
And then as they get toward the end of the program, we're really looking at working on the discharge paperwork, graduation application, and kind of making sure they are set for the future. I know the sobriety court program is actually overseen by a team of professionals from several different disciplines or fields. Judge Gearhart, do you think you could explain why that is important and how the variety of team members contributes to the program? Yes. And so the the focus in the treatment court is on just that treatment. And so we have multidisciplinary uh, team members who are involved in different facets of treatment and law enforcement. So that would include in some of the persons that are on our podcast today, Kim Kern, for example, uh, leads primarily uh, most of the treatment that is provided to participants. And so she, she is our point person on treatment. We have members from the recovery community, both AA as well as Pier 360, Tracy's here with us today uh, representing Pier 360. We have members of law enforcement, the jail administrators in a couple of the counties for which we serve, prosecuting attorneys from Tuscola and Huron County. And we also have a team member who represents the testing facility. And so that helps us understand uh, testing results and such. We also include a probation officer who then brings the perspective of traditional probation to our team. And what's cool about the team concept is you really get to know, you get to address each participant's individual needs and the team member who can best speak to what their particular need is at that time is able to do so. And so it's a very collaborative approach to assisting the participants in our program. Yes, I think the program itself can be very, a little bit intensive and overwhelming at times for our participants, but I think it's fantastic that we have a team there to be supportive, to help provide resources when needed, and just, again, kind of help the participants through the program. I guess in speaking of treatment, Kim, can you kind of explain a little bit about what types of treatment or therapy that you offer at List Psychological Services? Sure, we we offer a variety of different modalities. We offer the traditional psychotherapy, individual therapy. Uh, We also offer group therapies, which match the different phases of treatment that the participants are in. We offer medication-assisted treatment for clients who could benefit from things like Vivitra or Suboxone, which helps to treat their cravings and or withdrawal symptoms. And we also offer psychiatric services for clients with a co-occurring mental health disorder. What would you say helps someone to be successful in treatment or the program? This program has added a component of accountability that has been huge for the success of clients. One of the things is that uh, it keeps the participants engaged when they might otherwise drop out or at a minimum just kind of become inconsistent with their treatment to avoid dealing with uncomfortable issues or feelings that arise while in treatment. 
So the length of this program keeps participants engaged long enough to work through past traumas, identify underlying causes and triggers for drinking or drug use, and develop effective sober coping skills that will help them to maintain long-term recovery. It gives the participants the opportunity to experience difficult situations while they're in the program and test their new skills while under the umbrella of the program. I have had many participants in the program that have said this program required me to be sober long enough and gave me the treatment and the resources to realize that I actually want to be sober. So I think that's absolutely. And kind of speaking of that, we kind of, we do run into several participants at the beginning that maybe are not sure they want to make life changes. They're not sure if they want to participate in the program. So Kim, how would you say um, that you handle difficult or resistant clients or clients that just aren't sure if they want to make a change? Well, one of the things that we've incorporated is a stages of change model. And there are five main stages of change. And participants come in at a variety of different stages. There's a pre-contemplative stage where they may come in with absolutely no intent on changing, and they're just going to do what they have to do and continue to maintain ways that they have continued to live. So the second stage is contemplative, where they're aware that there's a problem, but they still don't have a commitment to change. Preparation is the third stage, and that's where the person has the intent to change and is preparing to take action, but they haven't actually started that process. The fourth stage is action, and that's where the client is in an active stage of change. They're making changes in their lifestyle, um, and they're actually learning how to live a sober life. And then your maintenance stage is where, okay, they've made these changes, and now they're looking at how to sustain those changes. We meet the clients where they're at, and depending on the stage of change that the client is in, there's different goals and intervention strategies that help clients progress from one stage to the next. So they may start in the very first stage. And so treatment has to really be geared toward where they're at, because if we're treating them in an action stage and they're in preparation stage, they're not going to move. So we have to back ourselves up enough to meet where they are and help them to move forward. The length of the program allows the time needed for clients to actually get through all of these stages. And our hope is that everyone is at that maintenance stage by the end of the program and can learn how to and really deal with the frustrations of, okay, what do I do once uh, nobody's watching me? Meeting the client where they're at is, is what helps us to be successful with getting people where they need to be in their recovery. Sure. That is very helpful. I think we also use recovery meetings in addition to the treatment to kind of support clients to move throughout those stages and to encourage them to continue making progress within the program. So Tracy, could you please talk to us a little bit about your role as a recovery coach and the Tuscola County Coordinator for Peer 360 and kind of why you think recovery meetings and connections are beneficial? So my name is Tracy Madden. I'm a person in long-term recovery. 
And what that means to me is, aside from having 20 years of sustained recovery from drugs and alcohol, I am also a good mother and daughter. I'm an active member of my community in positive, supportive ways. I volunteer, vote, pay taxes, and pay my bills. I'm an asset to my family, my community, but most of all, today I'm able to look into a mirror and be proud of the person that I am. And I say all of that um, because recovery has given me that, has been able to give me that gift. As the Tuscola County Coordinator, my role is to connect people new to recovery with recovery resources and to help connect them to any community supports that can help them in their recovery process. Um, I make sure that the Peer 360 support groups that we have here in Tuscola County are operating and that the facilitators, which are all recovery coaches, um, have what they need to hold effective uh, recovery meetings. I also organize events in our community. They're not just for people in recovery, but for the community as well. As some of you know, and some that don't, one of our goals in Peer 360 is to help break stigma associated with people in recovery. And the biggest way that we are able to do that is to make ourselves visible in the community and the recovery community through events, volunteering with other organizations and being role models. Um, when people can see us as human beings rather than just as an addict or an alcoholic in recovery, it helps lessen the stigma and more people are then able to reach out for recovery services. And the reason why these meetings are beneficial is because it gives us a sense of community and helps get us for people in recovery. And um, it helps them find a sense of community and uh, allows them to see that and it offers them another way of living with people that understand that have been there and done that. That is one of the biggest reasons. That's one of the biggest reasons why the recovery meetings are so vital. We've heard great things about the events and the outings that you guys plan and host. Could you give us some examples or kind of talk about the types of events or outings that are planned? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, we actually have two events. Our events, again, like I said, they're not just for people in recovery, but they're also for friends, family members, community members that are curious, um, you know, to see what we're all about. And uh, definitely for, you know, the entire recovery community. Currently, we have one coming up um, this Sunday in Bad Axe. It's going to be from 11 to 2 at Longshot Lanes. And we're doing bowling and pizza and uh, we're going to have a really good time up there. Um, it's a family friendly, no drugs, no alcohol, safe place. If you happen to be in that neck of the woods, come on in and join us. We're going to have fun. And then on the following Thursday, September 30th, at Brentwood, the bowling alley here in Cairo, we are having a bingo at the Brentwood. Um, we've got one of the rooms that they have, one of the nice rooms they have we have it reserved and we're going to do a really big bingo thing. We're going to have taco bar and nacho bar and hopefully it's bowling league season. So hopefully some of the lanes will be open and we'll be able to do some bowling as well. But we do events like that. Um, sometimes we do little mini socials where maybe people in recovery will just bring like a dish to pass and we'll just meet at a park or someplace like that and, you know, um, gather and, and just to, to kind of help support one another and to have some fun in recovery. It's important that people in recovery know that, the, yes, they still can have fun. Sure. I think that's very important. A lot of the participants that I have worked with 
have found it helpful to find others who are in recovery to participate in hobbies with and to do things that are fun Mm -hmm. that they are not tempted by using alcohol or drugs while they're there. Right. But another thing I'm wondering about, Tree, what do you think would be the key factor that plays a role in whether someone remains in long-term sobriety or recovery? Well, because I've been in, in active, I've been very active in recovery for so long, I've met a lot of people in recovery. And as such, I have been able to observe many of their recovery journeys. And what I have observed is that while everyone's recovery is different in a variety of ways and through a variety of recovery pathways, there is one thing that all, all of them have, all folks who have sustained recovery, the thing that they have all that's in common is support. Um, support is so vital to a person who is seeking recovery, in recovery, whether they have 30 days of sustained recovery or 20 years. The support can be from recovery meetings, family, church, caring friends. It can even come from the structure of services such as sobriety court. Having support helps the person in recovery to be accountable, um, motivates and encourages them in their process, and it allows the person in recovery to know that they are not alone. Fantastic. Just kind of looking at our stats, we've had over 200 people in the program as of August of 2021. And our current graduation rate is at 81%, which means that 81% of those participants who have been in the program have successfully completed the program. Um, So I think it's just great to see that, to see the success that we've had with having this this program within our community. But more than that, I think it is powerful to see the individual progress and hear the individual stories and transformations of those who have been in the program. So again, we are so thankful for all of you that have joined us today for the podcast, but excited to also hear from our graduates that we have here today, Kristen and Doug. So just kind of throwing this out there, I'm not sure who wants to answer first, but could you guys kind of talk about what did life look like before you started participating in sobriety court or before you got into recovery? My name is Doug and I guess I'll go first. I was never a person that drank every day. My biggest issue with alcohol was when I drank, I typically, after a couple drinks, I would know I should probably stop now and go home. But most often I would kind of throw caution to the wind and for whatever selfish reason, I would justify continuing to drink during that particular evening, event, whatever. And um, so I guess also in my mind, I was thinking that I was maintaining kind of a normal life or whatever, just always subconsciously or consciously even comparing myself to other people that I knew worked with whatever. And, uh, but as it turns out, like I mentioned, I mean, I, I realize now how selfish that was. And, um, and I always in my mind also kind of understood that I had an alcohol problem simply because it had caused me trouble in my life. I wouldn't say that I was in ever depressed from a clinical sense, but I could say that I, there were times I was sad and oftentimes I was disappointed with myself and I had never said that out loud to anybody ever until just now. So. Thanks for sharing Doug. Kristen, do you think you could talk to a little bit about what life looked like before for you? Um, it's, it's pretty nitty gritty. How, uh, how low do you want me to go? Whatever you're comfortable sharing. 
<laughs> okay. Um, before recovery, it was a disaster. I uh, there was prostitution. There was lying, stealing, using whoever I had to to get what I needed. There was uh, I gave my daughter up, signed her off to my mom so I could say hi, but live in the same house with her, and that backfired. So. It was bad. I lost everybody. And the last hoorah lost my job, my career. I was uh, in the health field and all. You can't do that no more. But that's, uh, it is what it is now. Lost my house, my truck, my job, my head, everything. I really didn't care anymore. And then that's when I got brought to you guys. So what would you say um, were your reasons for wanting to participate in the Thumb Regional Sobriety Court Program? It wasn't because I was in all the trouble and it wasn't because I knew I had a problem because I've known that for years. It was I got in the program and my mom actually let me have my kid back for a weekend. And I just remember waking up the next morning going, oh, my God, that's my kid. And I'm just you know, kind of throwing her away for drugs and the next hit. And and that started it. And from there on, once I started becoming opening to change, I could see everything around me starting, all the negative to go away and all the good was coming in. And I was starting to get self-respect back and just one, one thing after another, a good domino effect. Would you say that, Kristen, would you say that you wanted to participate in sobriety court in the beginning or were you not really interested in participating? Not in the beginning, but 16 years of prison was a pretty long time. So I figured I'd better give it a shot or at least try and get through it. (laughs) Well, we are glad that you did. That's for sure. Doug, do you have any input as to why you were interested in participating in sobriety court? Um, I got arrested for a DUI on April 13th of 2018, and I didn't even know sobriety court existed. Uh, that was a Friday night, and when I went into the court on Monday morning, my attorney tossed me a little pamphlet about TRSC, and I opened the thing up, and the first thing I saw was 90 meetings in 90 days, and I thought, let me mull this over. I got probably a 60-day jail sentence sitting in front of me or I got to figure out a way to do 90 AA meetings in 90 days but that seemed like at least I would be able to be outside of jail and continue you know my life if you will so although I didn't know anything about the sobriety court program I just thought it would be the lesser of two evils to figure out a way to get to 90 AA meetings in 90 days so So I know, Kristen, you've talked about kind of your turning point or the point that you realized you um, wanted to continue in the program and in recovery was kind of um, looking at your daughter and being motivated by by that. Doug, would you say that, do you remember any specific turning point or a point in which you decided that you were committed to the recovery lifestyle? Ironically, it was during the 90 meetings and 90 days phase of the program. Um, I, I was at a point in my life where I pretty much knew, all right, at that time I was like in my mid fifties and, uh, alcohol had caused me enough trouble in my life that I just, I basically was going to throw in the towel on alcohol. I wanted to quit drinking. I'm a fairly 
strong-willed person. I probably would have struggled, but probably would have stayed sober. But I can't say that with any certainty. And I can honestly say that during that 90 meetings and 90 days phase of the program, I don't know, I, I, I can't really put my finger on an epiphany of any type, but I can certainly say that I started to realize how selfish I was living my life and how, how much I actually enjoyed going to the meetings and the people I met at the different meetings, AA and Pier 360. And, um, you know, it's just, in fact, after I completed my 90 days on the 91st day, I walked out of our house at about 7.50 or no, it was about 6.45 PM. And my wife said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to an AA meeting. And she said, well, you don't have to do that. You got your 90 done. And I said, no, I want to do that. So that's for me, that was the biggest part, you know, and after that, I mean, everything was gravy. I just did what I had to do with the rest of the program because by then I was in. Incredible. Kristen, would you have any other comments as to what you found most helpful in encouraging you to kind of move through those stages of change or what was most helpful to you within the program? I will piggyback off with the support was a huge thing. Once I realized I actually had people in my corner that weren't drinking and using and doing whatever they did, you know, it, it was a really big eye opener to see that there was a whole different life that I could have been living. I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to steal. I didn't. And then I can have fun with sobriety. There, there was a lot of hit me in the faces like, wow, why didn't I learn this sooner? Um, you guys, like she said, you guys had the resources laid out in front of me and I just had to take the hook, you know. So support was a big one for me. But uh, I think seeing it with my own eyes was a big thing, too. You know, if I put in the work, then I had a, a really good outcome. Doug, would you say that the 9090 was the most helpful to you throughout your time in the program? Or was there a different requirement or something that happened that was helpful? No, as far as like sobriety absolutely that 90 and 90 you know like I said I can't speak for other people in the program but for me that seemed overwhelming at the beginning but man it's to me that's huge and uh I'm still active with AA I'm the treasurer of a group in kindy that meets on Saturday mornings um, I'm a district committee member for our upper thumb region here so in as much as anything it's the it's the relationships that I've formed with people in recovery um, like Tracy from Pier 360, I really, really value her friendship, and uh, it's amazing, you know, when she speaks. Just man, I, I'm just riveted when she talks. So, uh, but you know, it's it's just a continuation of me. Uh, I don't know. My wife worked for the mental health agency, and she said I have mental issues because I. I like go gung ho with everything I get into, but uh, I don't know. It's I found it's much more pleasant living sober than it ever was living day to day. You know, worried if I was going to drink that night or not. And what would you say um, was the most challenging part of the program? The ninety and ninety. Okay. Like when I started, obviously I didn't have a driver's license. So you have to rely, you know, on the upper thumb area, uh, being a rural area in some of the more populated areas, there's probably meetings available relatively nearby virtually every, 
but up here in the thumb, I mean, you got to travel from city to city, town to town, and sometimes transportation becomes an issue. I was very fortunate that I had both my parents still alive and my wife that were supportive that enabled me to get to meetings. But, uh, and then once I got my restricted license, I actually made myself available to help other people get to meetings because I know how tough that can be. So it's interesting to hear how the 90-90 was both most challenging, but also most helpful. So Absolutely. That's great. great I'm not, when it's appropriate to say this, but I will say that the support that the, the Thumb Regional Sobriety Court offers, like when we would go to those court meetings every other Friday or whatever, and you'd go up there and to see Judge Amy smiling or to see you smiling, as opposed to, uh, you know, like Tracy said, the stigma that was always involved in the past where the last person you'd want to see on earth is a judge for God's sakes. So that's really, I mean, that's like a huge wow factor, just the support that, that the panel offers and that you personally offer, Judge Amy. Kristen, I know we had a few challenging times with you there in the beginning, but is, was there anything specific within the program that you found to be the most challenging? The most challenging was the tether, but it was my own commitment with the program on how bad I wanted it. Can I say, can I add a little bit? Just a, a okay. So, um, from a, a person in recovery's perspective, that you know, in the meetings and stuff, oftentimes it's like it is totally common to hear people who have successfully went through um, sobriety court to talk about how amazing it was for them. And, and like when you have somebody new that's coming into um, in recovery, that's, that's, I'm sorry, when you have somebody that's new that's coming into the sobriety court and then in the recovery meetings, you hear someone who has, you know, like in uh, the third stage or the fourth stage or has graduated, encouraging that person, like, you know, like, hey, you know, yeah, it was a tough time when I went, you know, when I was at that stage, but it gets easier. And, you know, and I mean, that is really, it's really cool. I just wanted to share that because that's from the inside a recovery meeting perspective, you know, so it's working. It's working. Heather, can I jump in for just a second with Kristen? Because just kind of piggybacking on what Doug was talking about. And I mean, to me, like, one of the most rewarding things or probably the most rewarding thing I do in my job is uh, some regional sobriety court. And it's different for me as a judge because I actually have the opportunity to have relationships with the participants. And I feel like they get to know me and I get to know them, which is so different than what it's like in the traditional court setting. And um, I think it's kind of worth <laughs> one of my favorite stories or experiences through this is uh, my interaction with Kristen and kind of how our relationship has developed uh, over time. And so I don't know, Kristen, if you want to share a little bit about that, because I think that that kind of highlights how this program is totally different than traditional court you know, stand up, sit down, all of that. Um, just our interaction and 
and how um, how it's just been so amazing to watch your progress. So I don't know, Kristen, if you want to comment kind of how, how court's different than uh, traditional court, kind of piggybacking on what Doug already said. Traditional court, that was, it was easy, but it was boring you know you, you, you hear your sentences and go okay what's my punishment and I'll do it and the stranger in front of you is telling you you know judging you and then uh, you come into sobriety court and it's you get to sit down and how are you doing this week and can we help you with anything and you get to see other people's progress and that was that was kind of cool you know like hey I know that person I used to party with them and now they're talking different, dressing different, and totally a different person. Our relationship was, uh, I had um, listened to other people about the circuit court judge. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I come in with the bad <laughs> perception, per se. So, and that totally obviously got thrown out the window because that person was obviously in trouble and didn't know any better. Thanks, Kristen. I think I think it is just important to to highlight how different uh, how different it is, and 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 the difference makes the outcomes better. And that's what I think is so fantastic about what everybody does with TRSC. Yes, I do think that is extremely helpful as well, um, and I'm so. Glad and thankful again for Doug and Kristen being here with us today, um, being willing to be open and sharing about your experiences. I think that is a very powerful testimony um, hearing your stories. So thank you guys again. Um, kind of on a last note, would you happen to have any advice for new participants that are either looking at joining Sobriety Court or people in general that are looking at joining the recovery community? I can start with that. Um, it's one of the big cliche things you hear about recovery is one day at a time, but it truly is one day at a time. Um, you know, you can only control what you're doing at this moment. You can't change what's happened in the past. And, you know, you, like I said, you, you can only do what you're doing right now. And, um, you know, the, for me, I, I've always been kind of a goal-oriented person and, you know, I want, whether it was something I wanted to physically own or something I wanted to achieve, but, uh, you know, sobriety has taught me patience. It's taught me humility. And uh, I will say from the AA aspect of things, the 12 steps do, do truly work. And for me, I'm pretty confident in maintaining my sobriety long-term, mainly because I'm engaged. I'm involved with helping others. I'm involved, you know, in the recovery community. And, um, you know, like Tracy said, it's just the people you meet, the events. I'm glad she mentioned about the bowling Sunday. I'll probably see you Sunday, Tracy. And, you know, even just for a few minutes, you walk in, you see the smiles, you see the people being happy, sober. That's awesome. And uh, it's really a cool thing. Thank you, Doug. 
Kristen, would you have any um, advice for new participants or people in recovery? I do. It's uh, you really got to look at yourself when you first get in, you know, where, where are you hurting the most and who are you hurting and how are you living? Really? If it's something you want, you actually have to, uh, you got to look at yourself. You got to take forth the action and it's going to be really hard and annoying and you're not going to want to do it. Oh, this isn't for me. I don't have a problem, but really you just gotta look at yourself (laughs) and uh trust you gotta have some kind of trust in the court system as contradicting as that sounds (laughs) um like like i've told you guys you guys have saved my life and uh i'm glad i didn't get booted out of the program because uh, i didn't want to look at myself i'm i'm too young to have a problem when in reality the stigmatism of it all is there's 10 year olds smoking crack and you know this program is here to help and it literally saved my life thank you i would just add you saved your own life we are just glad that we're here to see it um, and to be alongside you for it so again thank all of you for joining us today um, for giving us some feedback, sharing your stories, um, sharing this information, because again, I think it's important that the community is aware of the program and the more people we can make connections with and share the information with, the better. So again, thank you all for joining us. Thank you.